what's up everybody? This is Pastor Cole Burks here at Hope Unlimited Church. I have a message for you today and I pray that it would send you uh, in peace, it would send you in joy, and that you would be just overcome with the presence of God and I pray that this would uplift you in every way. Um, send this to somebody that you may think that needs it after you give it a listen and I will see you at the end of this message. I am going to continue uh, this week part two of liturgical living, and I want to read one verse, but before I do, I want to give a shout shout out to um, a group of people here who work kind of week in and week out, and you never really see what they do or where they're going or how they're doing the things that they're doing, and you never really see them at work, but a lot of things get done because of them. And it's our tech and media team in the back. And it is our uh, hospitality and our cleaning team that every single week they are doing things that enhance your Sunday morning, that enhance your experience here and you never see a thing that they do, and they often have to get here super early in the morning. Um, not as early as our worship team, but early enough. So, um, but I just wanted to give them a shout out, and just, I thank you, I love you, you're seen, you're noticed, and we're thankful that you are at Hope Unlimited Church. We're thankful for all of you do, all the work that you put in, and this place would not be what it is without you. I love you guys. And one more time, can you give a hand one more time for them? Liturgical Living Part 2, Genesis Chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray that you would continue to make us formless and then replace it with everything that you want to replace it with. Jesus, we love you and we thank you this morning in your name. Amen. Amen. Everybody give it up for Jake this morning on the keys. Just killing it. Y'all be praying for Jake, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Y'all be praying for Jake. Um, Jake started talking trash to me yesterday in a group chat. And he was talking trash to me about Madden in a group chat. And we got online and I beat him twice. So, and we didn't play but twice. So you better keep that trash talk to yourself. Just be talking, just be praying for Jake. Pray for Jake, everybody. Uh, don't even have to be real specific. Just offer his name up to God in prayer. He needs it. Um, I want to take just a second to review um, from week one. And last week, I really got into the weeds of encountering God on a daily basis and finding him in the, the daily and not just the dramatic and finding him in the midst of while you're washing dishes and not just in here when Jake is going from the one to the seven over here uh, during worship. 
and yelling to the top of his lungs, but it's finding him in the daily and not just in the dramatic, not just in the hype moments. And so what I started with last week is God really has an order in which he does things. Um, the Bible talks, when, when God creates the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that he forms the earth and then he fills the earth after he forms the earth. And so a lot of times in our walks with God, what happens is, is that we are formed in certain ways and then we are filled with certain things that are just totally religious, right? They have nothing to do with following Jesus. They're just religious tradition, whether it be one way or the other, and we're shaped and we're formed, and we are filled with certain things. We're formed by certain things, and none of those have to do with following Jesus. And so I think in order to become who God wants you to be and us to be as a church, you have to allow him to make you formless, right? And then reform you and then void of all thoughts and, and things that you have previously thought about him and then allow him to fill your mind and your heart with new ones. So you have to allow God to make you formless and then remake you and then fill you with the things that he wants to fill you with. And I said the way that this happens is through literally just your spiritual disciplines. What are you doing every day to engage with God? On a daily basis, what do you do to engage with God? Do you pray? Do you read? Do you worship? Do you do those things? How do you engage with Him on a day-to-day -day basis? Here is the reality of it. Everybody has spiritual disciplines already. They are either making you engage with God or they're making you stagnant in your walk with God. But you have things that you are doing as it pertains to God right now in your life. You have things that you are practicing and participating in that are leading you to something. And the question is, are they leading you to bear the image of God to your neighbor? Are they leading you to love other people well? Are they leading you into the ways of Jesus that is rooted in God's love for him and then his love for other people? Are you engaging in things that lead you to those things? That's, that's a question that you have to ask yourself, right? So, Anybody, anybody can find God here on Sunday. It's very evident, right? We're in here, we're worshiping, we're lifting our hands to Jesus. If any neighbor or anybody walks off the street, any stranger off the street walks in, there's definitely something that is going on in the room that we are engaging with, and it's noticeable, right? But that's not where transformation in your life actually takes place. Transformation in your life will not take place just with a one-time hit wonder encountering Jesus in here on the weekend. It has to take place 
in daily engagement with him. And so I talked about that last week. This week, I want to talk about how we are shaped and molded not only by the presence of God and our practices as it pertains to daily encountering Jesus, right? I want to talk to you this morning about how we are shaped by our community and how we are shaped by the people around us. I read the beginning of creation, right? I read Genesis chapter 1, the first three verses. I now want to go into the beginning of the church. And I want to talk to you about the purpose of the church and the purpose of communal life and the purpose of relationship with each other. And so go to Acts chapter 2 this morning. I don't have any specific verses, um, but I do want to read a couple things to you. Um, I really just want to break down Acts chapter 2, and then I just want to talk about it. You can go and read the whole thing for yourself later, but I, for, this, for time's sake, that's where I'm kind of going to be taking from this morning, Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and through the rest of the book of Acts. So if you want to go read the book of Acts, you can, but we're not going to read the entire book of Acts this morning. I just want to talk to you about the birth of the church. And so you see in Acts chapter 2 something very, 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 I think, telling. The first thing that you see starting in Acts chapter 2, everybody knows it's, our, it's Acts chapter 2, that is the Pentecostal chapter. It is the Pentecostal chapter. Everybody that has grown up in a Pentecostal church or in a spirit-filled church or in a charismatic church, Acts chapter 2, that's your chapter. You better be able to quote it. And really, you only need to know, if you want to know what the Pentecostal church really thinks about Acts chapter 2, you really only need to know about the first five verses, right? They're all gathered together. The Holy Spirit comes, fire falls, ignites everybody, sets everybody's head on fire with the Spirit of God, and they speak in tongues. That's it. Acts chapter 2. That's what we, that's what we, uh, uh, <laughs> that's where we hang our hats, especially in charismatic movements. But I think where we've gone wrong in a lot of churches is that we only talk about the upper room experience. We only talk about Acts chapter 2, the disciples are gathered together in an upper room in a prayer meeting. And what we try to do is, is we try to have the book of Acts all over again by recreating Acts chapter 2 experiences. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We try to recreate God coming suddenly and breathing on everybody and everybody being filled with the Spirit because we believe that that is going to lead us into the rest of the book of Acts. Now let me ask you this. How many of you have had 
an Acts chapter 2 type of experience. God moves powerfully in a service before where there's a lot of people. All right, about three of us. All right, sweet. All right, well, let's start worship over. We need to do this again. Nobody's, yeah, well, God hasn't moved powerfully. That's what we think. So Acts chapter 2, God comes and moves powerfully. You've had that experience. Let me ask you this. When you have that experience, does that mean that you automatically get the rest of the book of Acts? No, of course not. Especially if you just try to recreate that experience over and 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 over again. If you only read the first part of Acts chapter 2 and you don't realize the emphasis of the entire book of Acts, you miss what God even is trying to do in the book of Acts. Now listen, you need to have powerful encounters with God, like what happens in Acts chapter 2. But let me, what I'm trying to talk to you about this morning is what does that lead you to? Because God has purposes. God has purposes. Not just a purpose, but God has purposes, right? God has a purpose for every person in this room, right? And it involves what it looks like in Acts chapter 2. We tie purpose up in material things a lot of time, right? Like purpose is not linked to your job or whatever. That's not your purpose, right? As Christians, God has put purpose on the inside of you to encounter his presence in Acts chapter 2 and then love the people around you. Right? Those are the purposes of God. To be one with Him, and because you are one with Him, now you can see within your neighbor and within yourself that you are both one with Him. And then God's purposes is, is that He takes you and your neighbor, and He reveals that, that you are one with Him, and He is one with you, to both of you, and then both of you live in harmony and unity together and you're constantly in conversation and fellowship and community unwinding and, and, and seeing what that looks like on a regular basis. That's the purpose of the people of God is to love God himself and to love other people. I think where we have missed... A lot of it especially is, it's funny because I was like, man, I wrote all of these notes for liturgical living part one and two, and it's like I haven't used any of them <laughs> so far. So I think where we miss things, especially in the charismatic community on a regular basis, is we believe that we have to get one perfect before we can do the other. We believe that we have to love God perfectly before we can love our neighbor. 
And that isn't true. Because you can't ever love God perfectly. Right? If you are striving, if you are trying to yeah, beat your head off the altar until you love God enough to stop sinning, that will never work. And it's not meant to work that way. It's not meant for you to get one right so that you can do the other. It's meant for you to practice both at the same time, both loving God and your neighbor. And so when we read Acts chapter 2, we have to ask this question. When the Spirit comes, what does it do? When the Spirit comes, what does it do? We've said it makes you speak in tongues, right? And that is a very, very, very... I think just shallow reading of that scripture. This makes you speak in tongues. No, that's not what the Spirit was doing. The Spirit was getting the message of Jesus to people in their language, and that's why they spoke in tongues. So when the Spirit comes, it empowers you to go and share the message of Jesus with the people who you are in front of on a daily basis. That's the purpose of the Spirit coming. The Bible actually says in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it will give you power and it will give you boldness to be a witness. A witness to what? Jesus. Right? In all the parts of the earth. And so, when we read the scriptures and we think about the church, we see the beginning of the church happen. We see Acts chapter 2. The Spirit comes, empowers the people of God, and then it sends them to people. When the number one sign of a Christian is not that they love God, The number one sign of a Christian is that they love people. Anybody can love God. John actually writes this in 1 John 4. He says, you claim that you love God, but you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Because you can't love a God that you can't see if you can't love your neighbor that you can see. So when, so when you think about what the empowerment of the Spirit does, it leads you from an upper room experience into the outer courts with people. Why? Because God is not just in the upper room. He is in the upper room, but He's also dwelling amongst people in the outer court. And I think a lot of times we don't think that God is dwelling amongst people in the outer court because we have been told he's only in the upper room. Because a lot of our theology even is Old Testament practices, right? As it pertains to the presence of God, for sure. 
that you go into the outer court. Then you go to the inner court. Then you go to the holy of holies. And there's these places in God that you can get and like it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's not the purpose of God. If it was, we would still have those practices. You are now the temple of God. God now dwells within you. Right? And his depth, the Bible says this, as the deep calls to deep, my soul longs for you. Right? Your depth and his depth automatically scream to each other. Do you mean to tell you something else? It says this, the deep calls to deep. That doesn't just mean your deep calls to God's deep. That means also your deep calls to your neighbor's deep. It doesn't say God's depth screams out to my depth to make it deeper. What it's trying to communicate is, is there's something deeper on the inside of you than just a human body. It is God himself in you. And that calls out to, that should call out from you to your neighbor. The Holy Spirit dwells within man. Right? He dwells within man. And because he dwells within man, we are attracted to men, or we should be. I don't mean in a that way. I don't mean in the way that that come out. We are attracted to people, or we should be. Right? You should be attracted to people. You should be drawn to people. Kelvy, why are you laughing, dog? <laughs> you should be attracted to people. The Spirit should compel you to go and be amongst people. It should. If it doesn't, maybe you don't have what you think you have. The purpose... And the mark of a Christian is not how you love Jesus. It's how you love your neighbor. And I don't mean your fellow Christian neighbor. I mean your neighbor that's totally different than you. How do you love those people? How do you care for those people? When God begins to form you through community, I believe he sends you to your neighbor. I believe he sends you into the outer court. That's why, you know, like people who are like, well, I don't need church. That's just not true. It's not true. I don't need church. You know what? I've, I've actually had lots of thoughts about what it means to be a part of a church. It actually doesn't mean, like, so something that you should know about, about me here. I pastor the people that I see on a regular basis, right? I try my best to pastor the people that I see on a regular basis first, right? 
I'm just being flat out honest with you. I don't pastor first time guest first, right? We love you and we want you to be here and we celebrate the fact that you're here and we want you to join the family of God. But pastoring the people that I see on a regular basis, that's the purpose of a pastor, right? First time guests, we're trying to include you into what God's doing here. But ministers and people will literally, will literally run themselves into the ground by pastoring people that they've never seen before or pastoring the people that might come to their church. And what I mean by pastor is that, like, there are people sitting in this room today. The reason why we say we want to connect with you here is so that we can get to know you because we want to pastor you, right? It's very awkward if, like, you go and sign up, like, on the, on the website, and then, like, I'm trying to figure out the intricate parts of your life over a text message, what you've been going through, right? And it's like, all right, what about a hey first, you know? But one of the things about churches is that there are people coming here on a regular basis to grow in their walk with God and to be molded into the person that God has asked them to be. And God has set me here. He has put me in this position. And all I am supposed to do is help you along the way, is to guide you along the way. Do you mean to tell you about? You mean to tell you this? I can't guide you if I don't ever see you. If I don't know what, how your life's going and I don't know what you're doing, I can't guide you. How am I supposed to do that? It's impossible. And you know something else that I've I've like realized: people do what they want, right? People do what they want to do, right? You can't come to church, but you love church but you can go to Target and Walmart and the grocery store and everywhere else that you normally go. But you love church, but you never come. Just say it. You don't love it. It's okay. You don't have to continue to lie about it. But think about this. I think about this all the time. You know, like people... Like during COVID, they're like, I'm never going back to church again, okay? But you go to the zoo, and you go to all the other public places except church. Just say it. Just say, I was playing a game, and church was about status for me. And it was never about being molded into the person that God wanted me to be anyway, And that's okay. That may not even necessarily be a bad thing. But at least be honest about it. Is that too real for you this morning? The New Testament church was a group of people who met together on a regular basis. And you were considered a part of their fellowship if you came regularly. We don't do church membership around here because this isn't a country club. Right? 
This isn't like a country club. It's like, yeah. It's like, how many members you have? I don't know. I don't know. I do know this. We have like an A shift and B shift of church members. And then we have like, some of y'all work doubles, right? You're here every week. But then we have an A shift and we have a B shift because some weeks we come in here and I'm like, my God, I have a new church this week. And then like the next week it's like, oh my God, here are all the other people that come to the church too. And it's like, I did not know that we had this many people. I guess that's why we had to do two services on Easter. I've just never really thought about it. <laughs> but it's fantastic. I love our A-shift and B-shift people. They're here on a regular basis, you know, twice a month or so. I love those people. I pastor those people. But I'll tell you this, unless you make community a part of your spiritual disciplines and your walk with God, you'll never be the person that God's asked you to be. And I don't care how deep you may seem, you cannot be the person that you were designed to be apart from the fellowship of believers. It will never work. That's why I love corporate worship so much. I don't know, I, I don't even have language for it. I love coming to church. I love it. I hate missing church. Tom's preaching next week, and I'm going to be at a different church, and I'm already not looking forward to it. Now, I love the person that I'm going to preach for, but I'm just being honest with you. I would rather be here because this is the community that helps form me. And something happens when I come here on Sunday and I see different people worshiping in all sorts of different ways and God begins to speak to me in ways that I don't hear him on a regular basis. It's because we're together. I remember one Sunday specifically, I glanced up during worship and I usually try to just worship Jesus during worship you know, what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Usually try to keep my focus on him, but I'm ADD, so he understands. <laughs> he gets me. So, like, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but if I hear anything out of the ordinary during worship, I look around. It's like, is there a bird in here or something? Like, what is that? And sometimes I catch other people worshiping. And something just, I don't need, I can't describe it. Something just shoots through me. And it's like that person is expressing their love to Jesus in my presence freely. And there's something beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about being comfortable in a group of people where you can express your love for Jesus freely. And it's however that looks like. You should be able to look at that and that is beauty. And you can't do that if you're disconnected from corporate gatherings. There is a part of the beauty of God that's only revealed to you through your neighbor. There is a part of the love of God that you can only experience through other people. I told you last week, James chapter 5, it says, if you confess your sins unto God, he's faithful to forgive them 
Confess your sins unto another so that you may be healed. God forgives you of your sins, but he uses his church to heal you from your pain. There is something about being in the midst of other people that helps you walk in wholeness and helps you walk free from the issues that you face in life. There is something about your neighbor and even other human beings. When I mean your neighbor, I don't mean just people that you attend church with, but other human beings. There is something about other human beings that is supposed to reveal the glory of God to you. The other day, I'm going to mess with some of your theology real quick. Turn it all the way up. The other day, I'm in my kitchen, and it was last Monday or something, and Beckham is awake, and he is just chilling, and he hops off the couch, and he comes running to the fridge, and he's just pointing at the fridge. What that means is, I want apple juice. Translation. He's like, all right, we're going to get you some apple juice. And as soon as he comes to me and he starts pointing, I feel my spirit quicken. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, you being evil know how to give good gifts. How much better is your father in heaven? If your own son was to ask you for some bread, would you give him a stone? I hear that verse as I'm giving my kid apple juice because he wants apple juice. And God was revealing his goodness to me through my child. So let me ask you this. Here's the theology part. How can a child and how can you be born wicked and reveal the glory of God? You know what the doctrine of original sin is? Anybody ever heard the doctrine of original sin? Right? Invented in the 1800s. Not talked about in the early church at all. Ever. Not one time ever mentioned by any church father, the Apostle Paul, or anyone. Do you know why? Because in your most original state... You are not sinful. You are God's good creation. And God can use anyone to reveal his glory through because you were his to begin with. And that's why it's important to live in community. People who believe in the doctrine of original sin, if I brought Beckham on stage this morning, what they are openly confessing is if he dies, then he burns for he in hell for all of eternity. Do you know how that was even come up with? It, that doctrine itself was birthed out of a man who isolated himself. He wasn't in community, so it could never be checked. 
That's why it's so important to be in community because you will go on believing things about God that will lead you into a life of just perpetual anxiety and depression. You ever met someone who was like hardcore Calvinist? You know the reason why they're upset all the time? It's because they believe God hates them. You know where Calvinism was born from? By a man named John Calvin who was a lawyer who lost his wife and kids, who isolated himself because of pain, and he says God has to be this way. You can't let your pain isolate you from community. Or you will believe things about God that aren't true. And when you start believing things about God that aren't true, this is why theology is so important. When you believe things about God that aren't true, you will believe things about yourself that aren't true, and you'll believe things about your neighbor that aren't true. What is the purpose of the church? It's to reveal the glory of God. It's to reveal the goodness of God. It's to reveal the love of God. And it doesn't just happen by coming and worshiping and reading your Bible and praying. It happens because we are together and we are looking at each other as God's good creation. And something is being revealed to me from you that I can't get just alone by myself. The purpose of the church is to shape you and mold you into who God created you to be. And it's so important that you are learning about who God is in the confines of community. Acts, the book of Acts, they're filled with the Spirit and they're sent into the outer courts. They're sent among people. The Spirit made them have a commitment, not only to God, but a commitment to a communal life. Why is it important that you attend church on a regular basis? It's because God is doing something in the midst of you even when you don't see it or recognize it. I have a doctrine of church lobbies in church four years, meaning I believe that God can do just as much in a four-year as he can in an auditorium. Because God is just as much himself in you and in me as he is alone. And he can do the same things that he can do in you and in me as if he were walking around here on the earth as Jesus in the flesh. We hate community because it confronts all of our unchrist likeness. You know, like when we used to, we used to talk about like church being confrontational. You gotta be confrontational. And what we meant was, you got to preach about hell and sin. Okay? Well, that makes all the people in the room who are saved happy. Right? So the majority of people there, they're fine. It's like the one or two people that are like visiting for the first time just to get to leave feeling like a piece of trash this week. 
you've been feeling like a piece of trash for 20 years now because you've been going to the same church who tells you you're going to hell every week. So you feel like trash all the time. So nothing new for you, right? It's your typical bashing over the head on Sunday, right? But do you know what real confrontation is? Real confrontation, Paul talks about this. Real confrontation is when, so Paul writes this and he says, when you do good to your neighbor that has wronged you, it is like hot coals being dumped on their head. Okay? What we see that as, as we see that as help people who do you wrong, right? It's like, yeah, duh. That, yes, that's the message of Jesus. Jesus did that. Jesus literally was crucified and died and forgave the people who crucified him. Paul is not trying to reveal that at all. He's not saying do good to those who wrong you. He is revealing the love of God to you. He's actually even constructing a bit of his doctrine of hell. Where he says, if someone does you wrong that you've done good to, or sorry, do good to those who do you wrong, and it's like hot coals being dumped on their head. That is exactly what Jesus does for us over and over and over and over again. That is exactly what real conviction feels like. It's that he does good to me even when I do wrong by him. And when he comes with his love and his grace and his mercy, it feels like hot coals being dumped on my head. And it's, it's, it's getting all of the things out of me that need to be out of me. And he burns those out of you with his love. Okay, the way that God uses community is the same way. God will burn all of the hate for people out of you with his love by putting you in the middle of your enemies. Community is not just a group of friends. It's a group of people with differences who are seated at the table of God. And if you can't be seated at God's table with people who are different than you, then it's not his table, it's yours. And by different, I mean different everything. Different race, different gender, different political beliefs, different everything. If you can't be seated at God's table with those people, then it's not God's table. It's your table that you've created, and he didn't make it. And nobody gets transformed at your table. I'll tell you what can happen at your table. You can get bitter at the church. You can get bitter at community. You can get bitter at the pastor. And yeah, not me. Pretend somebody else is up here. If you get bitter at me, sorry. We can talk about it if you want. 
love to discuss it. What happens at your table is you begin to project your own image of God onto all of the people around you. And that's not what we're called to do. I'm going to read this quote to you, and then I'll be done. This author, his name is Rowan Williams. We actually have a book of his out in the lobby if you want to get it. There's a book called Being Christian. He actually wrote three books, Being Christian, Being Disciples, and Being Human. And they're all about like 75, 80 pages, and they're all fantastic. He's talking about church, and he's talking about the purpose of community. This is what he says. It is, as some modern Christian thinkers have said, what makes the church what it really is? He's talking about community. Community makes the church what it really is. And he says this, for that short time when we gather as God's guests at God's table, the church becomes what it is meant to be, a community of strangers who have become guests together and are listening together to the invitation of God. At one point in time, we were all strangers to his table. Jake, you can come on up. We were all strangers to his table. And he loved us into our own seat. And when he loved us into our own seat, now it is our responsibility. You can go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. It is our responsibility now to welcome others to sit at that same table and to look across from them and celebrate them And find God in their midst. To find God in their hearts. To find God in their lives. That is the purpose of the table of God. That is the purpose of community. That is the purpose of the church. Is that we gather together. Once we were strangers. Now we're no longer strangers. And when we gather together, we are loving the stranger out of everybody. We are loving even pieces of our neighbor that still feel like a stranger. Part of the reason why people don't ever take their seat at his table is because they just feel like a stranger. They feel like they don't belong. And it's because of theology and doctrines that they've believed for all of these years that were developed outside of the confines of community that never had the opportunity to be checked. Like all of these crazy atonement theories. Like penal substitutionary theory of atonement. It's a big one. It really just means a whole bunch of nothing. What that says is, is that God was so mad at you that he had to murder someone and he was going to murder you. And then Jesus just kind of stepped in the way. Like, I volunteer truth to be murdered. 
And that's not Jesus at all. That's not God at all. The Bible literally says God so loved the world that he sent his son. It doesn't say that God hated the world, so he had to send his son. It said God loved the world so much that he sent his son, and when he sent his son, we killed Jesus. And when we killed Jesus, he took death and defeated death. And when we killed Jesus, we were murderers, and he let us in. And he came and he conquered death and sin. We have all of these things that we believe. And God, to live a liturgical life, wants to make you formless and void of all of these things and refine these things inside of his presence, of daily encounters with him, and a communal life together. That's why community groups are so important. There's an element of this faith that you cannot access away from community. And so this morning I wanna pray for us and then we can leave. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah, that was a terrible sermon, my bad did not preach any of my notes other than the Bible verses that I planned. Something very similar to what I had in my notes, but it is what it is. So I want you to just pray with me this morning, and then you can officially be dismissed after I pray. Um, if you need to come up for prayer, we have people who are willing to pray for you, or if you just want to stay and linger in worship, you can do that as well. Father, I thank you this morning for the people in this room today. I thank you that we are a community that is bound together by your spirit, that's bound together in you and through you. And God, I'm thankful for every person in this room today who's listening to my voice. God, and I pray that your spirit would begin to move upon them in this moment and to do whatever you would have it do in their lives. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Um, I hope that this encouraged you. I hope it uplifts you. And I pray that um, you go ahead and send it over to somebody that you think needs it right now. Um, if you would like to give to Hope Unlimited Church in any way, uh, you can go on our website, you can give there, or you can text any amount to 84321. We love you, and I hope to see you in person here at Hope Unlimited soon.